Oh, hey, we're still calculating where in time Captain Francisco uh, is, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> That's a little fourth dimensional humor there. In any matter, let's catch you up to speed on the preceding events of the Retro Rewind podcast. You know how the first episodes are so not rated the way we rate things now? And going back and redoing them. Install the quantum jump drive to the Thunder Road 2. Re-rewind is ready to jump. What's happening? The time jump sent me back to 1978. I have been watching the Superman movie while I attempted to repair the damage. All right, Alice, set quarters for Superman 1978. Francisco, are you there? Where did he go? He time jumped. The captain may have gone to the movie Dark Crystal. Why does he keep time jumping? We think Francisco went to the movie Ernest Goes to Camp in 1987. In their continued search for their captain and his scout ship, the crew aboard the RR pod are time jumping through the movie time continuum. The captain's last time jump left a temporal trace that led the crew here to 1987. As soon as they arrive, the captain's scout ship is there, but only for a moment, as it disappears in front of their eyes, again. That was him, right? That was definitely him. Instead of going after him again, can we just do something to get his ship to come back to us? I don't think so. Not without going aboard his ship and hijacking the controls. All right, but can we get a trace on where he went? I don't see why not. It seems to be working, but something else has got me puzzled. Travis, please work on deciphering the trace patterns. I'm going to research something else. Why? What's up? I think there's something triggering his ship to time jump. Whenever we appear, he disappears. Okay, I'm assuming we have some time to kill as they go do whatever engineers do to fix things. In the meantime, we'll review the movie Ernest Goes to Camp, and I could use a little help. Alice, call fellow podcasters Patch and Jeremy to the bridge to help with this episode of the Retro Rewind podcast. Yeah! Time hop through the movies, time hop through the movies, time hop through the movies, time hop. Well, he was wondering if we could go back and revise our old reviews. So he time tested the scout ship and bam, trouble ensues. Now he's lost in the timeline and we're searching through the cosmos. Tell me where in time is Captain Francisco. Gotta Tell me where in time is Captain Francisco. Where in time is Captain Francisco. Where in time is Captain Francisco. Where in time is Captain Francisco? Welcome, Rewinders, and new listeners to the Retro Rewind podcast, where we take a fresh look at movies and games from 15 years or older to see if they're still worth your time today. So put on your nostalgia ears as we review the movie Ernest Goes to Camp. You can find this episode at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash 168 where there are links to contact us, vote on the movies we cover, and more. And if you wind up loving this show and want to see it thrive, you can become a reflex capacitor, which is what makes time travel possible. Thanks, Marty. And a special big thank you to our patrons, the reflex capacitors, who are... Jared Holtzauer, Deborah Powers, Brian Keating, myself, who you'll find out who that is. 
LJ Lowry, Chris Cowan, the Feeling Film Podcast, yeah, Chris Owens, Geek Devotions, the Untold Podcast, Mrs. Lomax, Andy Lewis, Peter Panda, and James Kennison, in addition to three other awesome patrons. Thank you all for supporting us on Patreon. Our Captain Francisco Ruiz, you think I'd know his name by now, <laughs> Captain Francisco Ruiz, is currently lost in the movie space-time continuum. But I, Paul J. Powers, your XO, have taken over command and continue to sail with you as always. The crew has nicknamed me Paul the Master Interrupter, and we will soon find out if that stays true through this episode. To help me review this movie in absence of our captain, we are joined by first-time guest host Jeremy Calcara. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And we also have joining with us as a returning guest host, our chief yeoman, Patch, also known as Patrick Hicks from the Feelin' Film Podcast. Hey, what's going on? Well, I think you know what's going on. We're here to review Ernest Goes to Camp. I'm a pro. I know what we're doing now. It's good. I feel like it's all ready. You're such a pro that you can hear Patch on previous episodes, including Adventures in Babysitting that we discussed on episode number 97, Young Frankenstein in episode number 99. I wonder if that was on purpose with the rhyming there. Anyway, The Boy Who Could Fly in episode number 106, X-Men in episode number 111, Hook in episode 112, Tron in episode 122, and The Jungle Book in episode 150. I'm a fan, what can I say? Yeah, you are a pro, so welcome back, pro. And thank you both for helping us as we search and ask, where in time is Captain Francisco? So looking forward to hearing more from both of you later, and also finding out how we each answer this movie's trivial question, which is... Muppeteer Jim Henson had an uncredited cameo appearance as one of the miners for the Crater Company. Your trivia question for this episode is, you are directing a film and you can have anyone from your favorite childhood TV show make a quick cameo. Who would you choose? We will each be answering that question as the show progresses. But for now, Jeremy, can you help us lay out a course for this episode? First, our roundtable discussion will consist of the trailer, synopsis, production details for Ernest Goes to Camp. Then we'll discuss and count down the top three things we liked and disliked about the movie. We'll follow that up with our final rating of... Classic. Nostalgic. Or... Tragic. And then check on our engineers' progress and their search for the captain. Everybody got that? Affirmative, sir. Alice, rewind when ready. Alert! Alert! Approaching target. Spoilers are coming. Establishing analysis vector. Have you ever had any group leadership experience? I had an ant farm once. How'd you like to be a counselor? It's the one, the only, Ernest P. Worrell. It's Ernest Unleashed, Unwow, Unbelievable, in the movie everyone's running to see. No, no, not me. Oh, yeah, you. Ernest Goes to Camp, rated PG. Know what I mean? Starts Friday, May 22nd at a theater near you. Check newspapers. So, that's the info that the trailer gave us, but Alice, do we have our memory mind melds back from Dallas? Oh, look, tacos. 
I guess not. Alice, patch into Glix to receive our memories from Dallas for Ernest Goes to Camp. Of course, opening com talk sync up initiating in three, two, one. Every good movie starts with an Indian ritual. Ernest is a maintenance man who accidentally creates a runaway lawnmower with an unlimited supply of gas. He finally gets to be a camp counselor, but for the camp's troublemakers. Lyle Alzito wants to strip mine the campsite. Meanwhile, Exeronius every day for lunch. Ernest is tricked into getting the chief to sell the campground. Then he sings, Gee, I'm glad it's raining, and it should have won an Oscar for best song. Ernest uses a bus, toilets, and mystic native magic to sabotage the construction and get back the land. Hey, Paul, do you know what's up with my taco machine? I'm sorry, Dallas. We need to switch back our... Dang it. Oh, well, guys. I think we should save these tacos for Dallas. A little too late on that one. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, sorry, Dallas. All right. But as far as our memories are concerned from that mind meld, I think some of that was right. But some of that, like, I don't... It wasn't a uh, riding lawnmower. It was a golf cart, right? Yeah, yeah, I think a real cheap, jo- a little weird, weird steering wheel driving golf cart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so most of that was right, but unfortunately, some of that was incepted. So based on those memories, as flawed as they may have been, what rating did they lead you to predict for this movie before recently rewatching it? Classic, nostalgic, or tragic? Let's go with Patch. I went out on a limb from camp and went with nostalgic on this one okay and jeremy what did you predict before watching it i was nostalgic as well nostalgic i was a little sketchy i thought maybe it should be tragic but i in the end decided to go with nostalgic (laughs) jeremy's such a pessimist anyway so it's just like everything's tragic until he sees it Okay, and for me, it was quite the opposite. I really enjoyed this when I was young, but I haven't seen it in several decades and I've been wanting to. So I said classic, and I've been looking forward to seeing it again. But we'll see how those ratings pan out. So our memories may have not been technically correct, but Jeremy, what are the technicals for this movie? The movie Ernest Goes to Camp is rated PG, runs one hour and 32 minutes, and was released in theaters on May 22nd, 1987. Yes, and people who worked on this film have also been involved in other movies we have covered on the Retro Rewind podcast, like... Jim Varney, who of course played Ernest P. Whirl. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, he also provided the voice of Slinky Dog in the movie Toy Story that was covered back in episode 116. Danny Capri, who played... Danny, appropriately enough. Yeah. Did you notice that some of the kids played their own names in this? I, I'm telling you, I bet they named them after the actors' names <laughs> to so they wouldn't have to remember new character names. <laughs> yes, and Danny also played kid number one in the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit that was covered back in episode 35. Such an epic role. I remember kid number one. I mean, it was just incredibly <laughs> powerful. <laughs> I don't think I remember Danny. Which one was he? I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we got Richard Spite Jr. who played Brooks. 
Now, he was the one that said, looks like Project Last Chance, if you ask me. He was the guy with the lisp. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, was he Blondie or was the other guy Blondie? I couldn't. (laughs) I think, I think the other guy was Blondie. Okay. But anyway, Richard, he played the role of Ed in the movie Independence Day that was covered back in episode 16. I don't remember Ed in that movie either. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> These are such memorable characters. <laughs> I I recognize his face when I was watching it, but I can't picture where he was. I yeah, yeah, he's still acting today. He's been in a lot of TV and a lot of little bit parts in movies. So a little, he's... little, a little bit makes up makes a lot after a while. So yeah, <laughs> if you're living the dream, no matter how little or much you're doing it, I guess that's true. He is working. Well, last but not least, we have Jim Henson, which is weird, who played an uncredited minor, not a young person, but an actual, like, minor, M-I-N-E-R. Oh, minors, not minors. You lost me. A different kind of minor. (laughs) So, Jim Henson directed Labyrinth that we covered back in episode number 13. He also played Kermit the Flog, Flog, Frog, (laughs) Ralph, and Dr. Teeth in the Muppet movie that we covered back in episode number 41. And he co-directed and was the performer for both Jen the Gelfling and the High Priest Skeksy in The Dark Crystal, which was our previous episode, number 167. All right, let's talk money. The budget of this film was about $3 million. And in the box office, it went on to gross about $24 million. So good job, Ernest Goes to Camp. Good job, Vern. Do we ever find... We don't know who Vern is, right? Are you in any of... No. Vern Vern never makes a... I don't think he has an appearance at all in any of the movies, does he? Or TV shows. No, he was just somebody that he talked to on his commercials that he got famous for that never made an appearance. Okay. Yeah. And he was, Vern was never mentioned in this movie, correct? I don't remember it. No, he was in, he was actually interacted with in the Christmas one. Okay. And a cup, but he was always in like a first person point of view. So we never saw him. We Mm -hmm. just saw Ernest kind of interacting with him but that's the only time i remember Vern yeah. being part of something yeah we the audience was Vern. all right yes. so for the movie to do so well made uh, about eight times its initial budget there must be things that people like so let's count down the top three things that we liked about ernest goes to camp hey fellas welcome to camp kids got everything fixed up for you at the camp you know what i mean so, starting with number three, let's go to Jeremy. Um, my number three is Stennis. Not necessarily the character, but okay. I just think that's the best bad guy in a camp name ever. Stennis. <laughs> it's he, wonderful. He, he did play that to a T. I looked up his IMDb credits. He had one other credit, and he hasn't acted really since. He's. Do you know what he's doing now? I hope he's not counseling camp somewhere. I hope not either, but he's a bodybuilder. He went into bodybuilding and that, did that professionally. That is the least surprising news I could hear today. <laughs> yeah, I would have to, yeah, I would have to agree. It's like, it's up there with Mufasa. Ooh, say it again. It's like, say it again. Stennis. Ooh, Stennis, yeah. say it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's kind of, and it has that slight creepiness to it. I don't it know really how does. they did that. It really does. All right, so my number three was the plot in this is actually a solid plot. And I don't mean like the 
whole mystic shoot me with an arrow and you miss plot. I mean, the uh, corporate greed versus nature and traditions that I think is a timeless tale that is still told in today is very relevant today. But here we have a movie that I think its general plot still holds up very well. And I was surprised by that. Yeah, I think it's one of those, it's very formulaic. And we've talked about this on our show where a movie or a narrative doesn't have to be unfamiliar to be nice or interesting. You can have this kind of formulaic narrative and add really cool components to it to make it more interesting. Upgrade's one of those examples where it it really mimics the story of RoboCop, but Mm. it in a lot of ways does feel like an upgraded version of that story. But some of those components of revenge and wanting to connect back with your significant other in some way, shape or form is still there. And so I think when you have a a narrative like that, that works and gives your audience a sense of like a security blanket. So they're going, yeah, I know what the story pretty much is and they can enjoy all the tertiary stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. So did you like the plot, Jeremy? I do like the plot. I actually have more to say about that later when we get okay. to the dislikes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then, uh, Patch, go ahead. What's your number three? It's a semi-well-known fact, maybe not so much in my own head it's really well-known, that I'm a big sucker for movies that take place in high school, whether they're like rom-coms or okay. your tween 90s and 2000s, those types of things. So does it make a difference for you if they're played by college kids or real high it, schoolers? It actually doesn't. It does okay. not. And I think a lot of this stems from my slight love affair with Saved by the Bell growing up. So <laughs> movies that take place in high school are pretty much going to be my jam. And, right. and I'm not a big fan of the horror genre, but I can get into movies if they take place in high school in some way. But... A close second, or maybe a distant second, it's a second at least, are movies that take place at camp. And I think that the reason why is because I went to summer camp growing up. And so there's a – now, it was never overnight. It was always day camp. But I remember having the campfires and telling the ghost stories and wearing the really bad shorts and (laughs) just all those things that – were synonymous with my childhood growing up. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a, a, a Stennis, Stinson, Sten. The name's Stennis. <laughs> counselor Stennis to you. Thank you, Stennis. Stennis. I forgot him already. I didn't have a Stennis <laughs> counselor, but I did have moments where um, we had really fun activities and things like that and competitions that we had, you know, our tribe or our group or our whatever you'd call us, were kind of the equivalent of of Ernest and and his guys. So it was very nostalgic for me to kind of relive a little bit vicariously through this atmosphere, and it's one of my favorite types of settings. All right. All right, let's go into our number two. Jeremy. I love, I think twice Ernest describes a real man as being someone who has never tasted quiche. (laughs) uh, A man who has never tasted quiche. I just love that line. I unfortunately have tasted quiche, but every time my wife makes it, I I let her know that this is not manly. I should not be eating this. <laughs> so do you not Leave like quiche? Because I actually like quiche if it's done well. I like very plain quiches if it's okay. like eggs and bacon and cheese. But again, why not just make scrambled eggs and bacon? Okay. It's more manly. But, <laughs> you know, people like to put like vegetables and onions and yeah. stuff like that in the quiche. And then I'm just not interested. But All right. anyway, I do feel like someone who has never tasted quiche would be manlier than I am just <laughs> by that fact for themselves. <laughs> well, there you have it. 
All right, Patch, you're number two. My number two is Ernest's character in this. And I think it goes without saying that he's kind of the same person in all of his movies. But Ernest Goes to Camp was the first introduction to Ernest P. Worrell. And so getting a chance to see this guy who is optimistic, who wants the best from the people around him Mm -hmm. and also from himself who doesn't who who it takes a lot to really get him down to sing a sad song about rain and (laughs) i think that it's missing in a lot of ways with movies today i don't necessarily think we need an rsp world in our lives today that maybe do maybe you don't but there's something nice about having a central character who defaults to an optimistic position and has to have a lot happen to him in order for him to either get mad or get disappointed or get upset because it's a it's a steep fall from what we're used to with him. And of course, yeah. with that, we can appreciate his goofiness. And mm-hmm. he kind of reminds me of Inspector Gadget, only more tolerable. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't like Inspector Gadget because he would take credit for what Things. Penny and Brain would do. But yeah. Ernest, I think, he's more optimistic than anything else. And, and I like that. It's really refreshing. Yeah, we're we're tracking the same. My number two is also Ernest. Just what you said, his upbeat attitude. And I think his humor comes along with that in his upbeatness, his way of... Yeah, this is gross or this is going to hurt, but we're still going to move forward. And in fact, it kind of bummed me out when everyone was picking on him, even like the kids and like he just got it from almost everywhere. So I didn't like that as much, but I did like the character himself, Ernest, definitely. Yep. Ernest P. Worrell, camp counselor, an extraordinary thing to witness. So that'll lead us into our classic maker. The number one things we liked about Ernest Goes to Camp. I'll continue and I'll let you know that my favorite thing about this movie is the heart of it. It's tender moments. Yeah, there are some up moments, but there are also some down moments. And to have that in a kid's film where you really feel the sadness of like when he's singing and... Yes, it's it's a little, the, the humor is a little bit over the top and where the turtle stuck on his nose. But the fact that the all the kids got to circle around him and come together with Ernest to sing. It was the first time that I, that they really all came together as a team for an, uh, and to achieve a goal there. So it was a lot of those tender moments that is missing in a lot of comedies today that I think really make this movie stand out. Yeah, I agree. I think that if I had to pick a connecting point to to bring a, a I was going <laughs> I was going to get I mean, to that, it, but go ahead. Let's bring that in. It's pretty I mean, for me it's pretty obvious. I think it's the the moment after he gets beat down and he's walking out of the infirmary mm-hmm. and it's that moment that we feel like, wow, he's a real person. This he's yeah. not just a goofy guy. And and I think that accents really well with his character in that humorous side because it gives us that reprieve that he's not just all gags and all jokes, that he really does have the best interests of the people around him at heart. Yeah. And so he's at a point where he's singing the song, and I felt like I was emoting with him, mm. being able to just kind of enjoy, not, in, not enjoy his sadness, but really be in the moment with him and go... Yeah, I feel bad too. And it made the follow-up from that and kind of the let's get going third act a lot more enjoyable because of that. Mm-hmm. Was, was yeah. That, go ahead. I just to agree with you that well, with what Patch was saying that 
my number one, my classic maker is Ernest singing that song. This is the first time I've watched the whole movie probably in 25 years, but still every day when I have to walk outside, when it's raining, I sing that song to my, I mean, if I'm by myself, I sing that song. If I'm with other people, I sing it in my head. I still know all the words. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. I I just, I love, I did look up. We talked about it already. The Oscar for best song that year went to take my breath away from Top Gun. So Berlin. Boo. And it's that was played complain. on the radio way more often. Come yeah. on, people. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I even read on, I think it was on IMDb, that Ernest sang that song, or Jim Varney sang that song without no breaks or anything. Like, it was one take, and there wasn't a dry eye on the set after he was done singing it. And so I think he it was really... raining. That's why there was yeah, not a dry eye. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it was like a you... real moment that people really connected with. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you can feel that in the perform i mean you can tell that it was a special time just through the movie i think yeah yeah i agree with that so pat you said that's your connecting point is that also your classic maker it's not and uh you know i would you expect it would be it's a great moment but for me something that felt very interesting was the way the movie started and this whole idea about the path of the brave yeah i really latched onto that and to spoil a little bit of this next section, I didn't like the way it was used, but I loved the opening sequence of getting this really cool Native American, I mean, definitely over the top and probably a little racist. I don't know specifically because I'm not a Native American and I don't know the history of certain Native American tribes, if this is actually a real thing. What I think is cool about this is that you have this opening sequence that kind of gives you an idea and then you have a camp that celebrates that. And you have this kind of goofy camp counselor director who loves taking on this path of the brave and instilling this into these middle class white kids. (laughs) And it's, but I, but I think it's cool. I think it's a, I think it's a neat thing. And I would love to have been a part of a camp that celebrated that Mm. and that got me to experience some of the native American culture of this special ceremonial ground that was fought over in the movie using very weird tools and buses and things like that. But yeah, I I thought that I thought the concept of the path of the brave, while it wasn't fleshed out to my liking, I loved the way it was set up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When the movie started, it it seemed like, Whoa, this is a dramatic movie going on here. Yeah. For real. Yeah. And you're like, Wait a minute! Did, you, did they just get that uh, Native American drunk, and now he's starting to shoot his uh, fellow guy? <laughs> what's it, and what's the guy? Yeah, what's the guy being strung up yelling? He's like, "Stop it! Let yeah. me go!" <laughs> you guys are drunk. <laughs> Too much cocaine, <laughs> or not enough. Or not anyway, enough. anyway, all right. So, uh, what we liked about this movie isn't trivial to us, but speaking of trivia, let's each answer the trivia question, which again was, you're directing a film, and you can have anyone from one of your favorite childhood TV shows make a quick cameo. Who would you choose? I'll go first, and this is just off the top of my head. I would pick Punky Brewster, Slay Moon Fry, because she was my first celebrity crush way back in the day when I was like five or so that young age. So that would be kind of cool. And I know she's in one of the friends episodes later on, but uh, let's go with patch. Who would you choose? Well, I, I kind of gave it away earlier. I would probably put one of the uh, saved by the bell kids in, <laughs> yeah. in my movie. <laughs> Which one? 
Oh gosh, it just depends on the it's movie. Kelly you know? Kapowski. It's Kelly It's <laughs> Kelly. Look, we wow. share this. We share the same birthday. Okay. Oh. So, so yeah, but if Wait, it had the to be, actress or the character, no, the actress oh, Tiffany okay. Amber and I share the same birthday. Okay. So yeah, so I'd be like, hey, you know what? Let's celebrate my birthday by you coming on and being a part of this movie that has the plot that I haven't figured out yet. <laughs> you know what? I'm honestly surprised that the cast of that, or at least most of the cast has not gone on to bigger budget movies. And I know Tiffany Amber Thief since she was in son-in-law, but I mean, come on, there's, there's a lot of potential there that I'm, well, I'm surprised. But, but I think, I think they're making their, where they're making their mark is in television. Mark Paul yeah. Gosler has done yeah. a number of different television series, which is, have been really good. And yeah. Mario Lopez, of course, he's gotten to be a TV celebrity in some of the entertainment tonight and stuff. Right. But but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think know. There's still star power there, but you know, it could be there more. is. But I, but maybe there's something about if you're a TV star, maybe oh, they haven't crossed over. Yeah, Rick Schroeder's the same way. I mean, he's yeah. more of a television actor. Mark yeah. Paul Gossler's had bad luck because I've watched like the last three shows that he's had, and I have liked them all, and they all got canceled. Dude, uh, show with the female pitcher. And yes, show I was so mad. The p- yeah. pitch. I was so mad that that got canceled. Yeah, uh, poor Mark. Poor Zach. <laughs> poor Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Cell phone won't. It won't get you out of this one. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> Time out. Right. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to Jeremy. Our minds along the same lines as yours, Paul. My first childhood crush I could remember, I would have Amy Jo Johnson, the Pink Power oh, Ranger. There you go. She's a terrible actress, so I wouldn't be able to have her do much. But <laughs> it's a quick cameo. There's like no yeah, lines yeah. if you Just don't. Just come watch. on and wave or something. Would she be dressed in pink, Jeremy? Would Would you dress her in pink? Uh, kind of have to, right? <laughs> so, did <laughs> you see the latest remake her. of the Power Rangers? I sure did. Okay, so you know the cameo in there. Excellent. Yeah, she showed up there at the very end, yeah. Yeah, okay. Spoilers. Yeah, sorry. Spoilers. Like she's <laughs> taking a picture with her camera. So they knew she can't act, so she's like taking a picture. <laughs> Which is probably, we may have ruined the best part of the film for some people out there, sorry. But uh, anyway, so uh, you can reach out to us on social media and let us know what you would choose for your cameo from a childhood favorite TV show. Who would you pick? So let's go back. Sorry. Um. Crimsat online. Receiving incoming transmission. So speaking of social media, we reach out on social media and we ask, what do you remember about Ernest Goes to Camp? And here's what some of you had to say. Ryan R. Jackson says, don't give poison ivy as a get well gift. <laughs> That's a good thing to remember. Unless you want to get yelled at. Jared Langness says, eggs erroneous. Wardell White says, I remember the orange juice commercials more than this movie. Amazingly, I saw him save Christmas, go to jail, but after he got scared stupid, I became done with Ernest. (laughs) I'm surprised you got that far. I I did see him go to camp, but it's been so long that if I did see it again, it'd be like seeing it for the first time. I think all I can remember is a runaway lawnmower running past the screen from time to time. Oh, again, not a lawnmower, but a lot of people thought it was. <laughs> well, I think it's the noise that it makes. It sounds oh, like a lawnmower. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah, gas-powered thing, yeah. so it does make that lawnmower noise. 
And Dirty Steve 40 says, so happy together. I can vaguely remember a homemade contraption that went haywire. I loved the bad guys and the two other knuckleheads that worked at the camp. I recall a turtle biting someone. Was Ernest always playing a role from the same universe? Nostalgic movie, but I'm afraid to revisit it. Well, and there may be reasons why, and we're going to go into that right now as we count down the top three things we didn't like about Ernest Goes to Camp. Patch, number three. Well, it's probably going to be (laughs) the end of the movie. Oh, explain. Well... In particular, the showdown with our main baddie and, and the Ernest. blanks he was shooting. Yeah. So the the whole thing with the path of the brave is yeah. to me it's a path of humility, mm. and the integrity in me is watching this and going. By the time Ernest doesn't get shot the third time, he is completely arrogant and, and egotistical about oh. not being shot. Well, is that part for, of being brave? I don't know if being brave and being cocky are the same thing. Well, not, but, but it could be. But yeah, but I, I see but, what you're saying. But, but apart from that, I I felt like it was kind of a watered-down climax to the movie. Of- it was. It's weird. And maybe you can help explain this. To me, it came across as kind of cheap. And I don't know why, because it seems like it was set up great, but I don't know how else you would pay that off. Yeah, I think at this point you're kind of being subject to the studio and a particular runtime, and you had to kind of wrap it up pretty quickly. Because in contrast to that, there was a lot of setup to take down the bad guys. Yeah. And I felt like the first portion of it was kind of dragged out a little too much. And then when this he got last beat part, up? No, no, not when he got beat up, but after the- With the after, toilets and all that? Yeah, after the, the battle- Okay. Then you had the final showdown. The final showdown felt like kind of like a little small period instead of an exclamation point to mm. we did it. We defeated. And then you have the deus, deus, deus ex machina where you have the Indian lady and we got the papers, you know, yeah. you, we're going to like, so what was the point of all that? Now that yeah, she's the real hero of the story. She really is. And yeah. So it all just felt like, and they lived happy together. So boom, yeah. we're done. Yeah, I thought about this just because that's my number three as well, is that whole thing. And I just thought, you know, if maybe he just stood there, like stood his ground until that lady got there, I think it would all fit together better without being cheesy and without being without him being cocky. I don't know. I've tried to figure out, too, how you tie the whole thing together if he's not getting shot at three times. But to me, that's kind of where the movie kind of maybe jumped the shark a little bit. Maybe he was too close. Like if he was on a ledge far away and he he missed three times i don't know but yeah. if you, maybe you're right patch when you said the studio got involved maybe they did have something like that they're like well if he's gonna miss let's put him closer together make it more dramatic <laughs> creative control it's like yeah. a dc it's like a dc movie oh no <laughs> you're not wrong unfortunately <laughs> anyway my stop number three <laughs> stop messing with my movie <laughs> yeah whose movie is it anyway we're not gonna get into that (laughs) my number three was the people in authority 
seemed to be and i mainly mean the camp counselors to me they were a little bit too vindictive it's like they're running their own prison camp but everyone's like not in chains almost (laughs) and it's it's a little too i know it's a little too over the top but it just kind of like like i've been to camp and i've never met anyone that close to being that arrogant yeah now look when people didn't know how to swim yes there are people who pick you up and throw you into the pool that kind of thing but maybe it's the cheesy smile that he had on i don't know it just (laughs) (laughs) yeah it would just seemed a little like every time they got close okay that's a little bit believable then they're gonna push it a little more and make them a little more vindictive but i don't know yeah Yeah, what's really going on at camp kikiki right there what's really going on well there's (laughs) There's also that part where they're like trying to find stuff that'll burn to put on the golf cart and and they run and like within 10 seconds they're running back with these giant bottles of alcohol that they've set up as Molotov cocktails. And so, (laughs) yeah, these camp counselors aren't really very responsible. I would not send my kid to Camp Kikiki. (laughs) Path of the brave, Jeremy. Path of the brave. You have to be brave to deal with that. Exactly. (laughs) Well, the Indian, the two Indian people seemed fine. You know, they seemed like normal people. Well, except for the old one, like encouraging these kids to go, you know, use explosives against a construction company. That's that's not very responsible, I suppose. I think responsibility was thrown out the window before then. They're like, eh, what do we have to lose? But, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good point. I guess he wasn't all there. All right, number two. I'll go with my number two. And that's basically, I felt the acting was, unfortunately by some, a little over the top. They weren't the most professional actors. Well, for example, I know you're dealing with a lot of new people and the kids, like the main uh, troublesome kids. Their first, let's say, quarter of the movie scenes were so badly acted, but by the end, they felt more real in their uh, portrayal. And I wish I had seen that throughout the film a little more. You know what I mean? The the quality of acting <laughs> was uh, less than par on some of these. Yeah, that's definitely one of mine. The Last Chance Boys in particular... Yeah, I thought their too cool for school attitude yeah. felt like something out of an after school special. They yeah. were really trying to sell everybody wears glasses, and those glasses were very. Mo- I mean, it's it's the '80s, so you you can forgive that yeah. the, the look. <laughs> but they all just felt like they were trying harder to be rebels than they actually were, and yeah, yeah. and I, I know that part of that is for effect, but I felt more like they were equally as vindictive as the counselors, especially with Ernest. Like that first scene where Ernest comes up and he puts his hands on the window and they're like, hey, we're going to have some fun. Or no, that was the other kids, the regular camp kids. Yeah. But just the whole first aid sequence. Yeah. I mean, I thought that started selling me on their meanness. And by the time we get near the the middle to the end of the movie, I'm kind of sold on it. But overall, they just come across as cheesy to me. They're some of their lines. Yeah. I, and I, I was a I was a good kid, so I don't know. But like, if you were a bad kid in the eighties, did you have to wear a shirt that didn't that just came down barely past your chest? Like, yeah, that showed your show, that showed you, that showed your belly button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. And it had to be mesh. Okay, had I to didn't be mesh. Know. Had to be mesh. Okay. <laughs> you also had I, to have Jeremy. You also had to have one of those combs that was like a like a flip knife. 
you know, like a switchblade yeah. that you could that well, you could like cut you know, do true. the hair thing. You, yeah. yeah. Okay. And if you had long sleeves, you had to pull them up. Exactly. Yeah. The sure. Okay. <laughs> this is good. I didn't. I didn't know that being like the goody two shoes kids. So. Well, <laughs> luckily we have these documentaries. Like Ernest yeah. goes to camp. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's good. <laughs> All right, number two, uh, Jeremy. Uh, my number two is golf cart ex machina. <laughs> in, in what way? I love the running joke of of the golf cart, and then it comes back at the end after it's been. It's like the phoenix rose from the ashes. It, it comes just right, right when they need something, a projectile to go into the bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> that I just, I just didn't like. I don't like that. It just uh... seems it's pretty convenient. Could have very well just like brought the golf cart with them because they're going all over the camp. It would have made sense to have an extra vehicle, but instead, no, we're just going to have it die right exactly where it needs to, but then it's going to start right back up again. So you can launch it toward the bulldozer. And here I am talking (laughs) about realism with an earnest movie, but still. (laughs) Yeah. So you mentioned the acting is one of your dislikes. Was that your number two patch? Yeah, that was my number two. Okay. So let's go into our tragic maker. The thing that we dislike most about Ernest Goes to Camp and Patch. Well, it was it was kind of a tie between two things, but I'll just go ahead and say one. Okay. I, I think say that both. N- no, I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna say both. This yeah. is I, I'm a big fan of finishing out subplots personally. Yeah. Okay. And um, when you leave me hanging, I'm a little annoyed. Like I a turtle that, off the end of a nose? What do you mean? The, well, like a fan of Lost, you know, who oh. who loves mythology and doesn't get <laughs> it doesn't get thirty of the fifty five questions answered. But um, <laughs> you know, I was fully invested in the TP that the Last Chance Boys were. I totally forgot that. Who's going to win yeah. this year? It doesn't matter. Camp's closing. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You spend like, what, three weeks building this teepee? And this is the other thing that ties into it. But you, you spend three weeks building this teepee. It burns down. You decide to rebuild it. And then we don't know who wins. I mean, come on. I mean, I get the camp's closing, but at least give us an aftershot of like a few weeks after the camp stays open and we see a teepee with like first place on it or, or something like that. Yeah. But the, the other thing related to that is the fact that we have a really bad sense of time in this movie. Oh, and I so, notice. so yeah. we're told, Hey, you've got less than 24 hours to vacate the premises. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so what's going to happen with all the stuff that's there? What's insurance? Is insurance going to cover the stuff that gets destroyed? And also, how in the world do Ernest, who's a goofball, and these kids have time to dismantle a bus and make it like an army tank filled with all these creative weapons, some of which aren't even necessary? I mean, why are you throwing toilets? What's the point? Except for comic relief. Again, I get it. This is me arguing like you, Jeremy, about the <laughs> the realism of a artist movie. But I digress. And I think that it frustrates me when I don't get resolution to subplots and you justify it by saying we didn't have enough time when you spent apparently like half your budget <laughs> three three weeks getting ready for a battle that took five minutes you know <laughs> yeah okay. they just didn't show you the shed where they have like the welding stuff for like your uh shop badge so that's how they did the bus so quickly we just okay. didn't get to see that part There's... we didn't get 
there's an arc welder back there. <laughs> Path of the yeah. engineer, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeremy. Well, my tragic maker could maybe give you a little bit more time to flesh out the things that Patch is talking about, and people might boo and hiss at me for this. Just the little things that felt like a little skit, like with Ernest with his barbecue, or the fire ants, or oh, yeah. the, talk, the talking turtles at the end, or even the chefs. I like the chefs. Like To me, like we were talking about the plot earlier, I think it is really good, and it's substantial enough that it doesn't need to have these little, you know, there's, there's some movies, like I think of Anchorman, that's just like a series of little, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we did this all strung together? Right. Ernest isn't like that. So to me, when they have those little, well, wouldn't it be funny if this happened to him? Yeah. To me, it's out of place. And, you know, that's that's probably five to ten minutes of the movie you could have back for. Yeah. Finishing the subplot. Yeah. <laughs> give, me, give me my TP winner. <laughs> yeah, that actually ties directly into my tragic maker and that's that this movie Ernest goes to camp is just too darn silly this is a, a silly kids movie that is over the top in a lot of ways that the humor that you're saying that it takes time out and let's make fun of badgers and run around the and t- you wrap them up like a mummy and then spin them. The the physics that don't make sense. The kids are way too. And I will. I want to say over the top. I'm trying to think of a better word, but they're they're unrealistic, almost like a a cartoon of themselves. Basically, it boils down to this movie doesn't take itself seriously, and mm-hmm. it's hard to take. If it's not going to take itself seriously, why should I? Why am I spending my time? You're right, Jeremy. There's like little episodes that are great two-minute YouTube videos that are segmented it off from everything else that don't belong. So I think it really detracts from the quality, all the good stuff about this movie, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. So that's the things that we disliked about the movie Ernest Goes to Camp. There's a lot of love in this room. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm So let's go ahead and give our final rating. Firing solution complete. Rating salvo at the ready. On your mark. But before we give you our final rating, we want you to know more about FF Plus. Patch, can you tell us more about that? Right. So my, my buddy Aaron and I, we co-host a podcast called Feel and Film. Don't know if you checked it out, but you can, feelandfilm.com. And we've recently just created an offshoot of that called FF Plus, where we're giving you spoiler-free reviews and news in the pop culture world, as well as our reactions to certain trailers. So if you want half hour to 45 minute discussion of things that you might be interested in, things that are coming out either video on demand or in the theaters, that's the place to check it out. It's good conversation and it keeps that same spirit of staying positive in in it. So feel free to check it out. We usually drop those new episodes on Friday. So you'll have a nice into your week with a feel and film episode on Monday and then an FF Plus episode on Friday. All right, so be sure to check that out. Let's go into giving our final ratings. What do we each rate? Ernest Goes to Camp. Jeremy, classic, nostalgic, or tragic? What say you? I landed on classic as well. I think that it's not classic. That's the good one. Uh, Nostalgic. (laughs) Nostalgic. (laughs) My bad. Landed on nostalgic. I think that it is, uh, yeah. 
the last time it was on in my house before watching it this week, uh, I basically turned it on to show my son and then I took a nap while he watched it. And I have a feeling that's how it's going to get watched from now on in the future, probably in my house. The, the Blu-ray I bought did have Ernest Goes to Jail as well. So I am looking forward to revisiting that one. But um, yeah, I'm not going to recommend this to any friends that haven't seen it for sure. Okay. I don't want them to think less of me. <laughs> and Patch. Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with my nostalgic rating too. There was not enough about this to push it to the classic area, but at the same time, there was enough about it that I would definitely recall this and have a good conversation with people that have seen it and say, oh yeah, do you remember that great skit in the middle of Ernest Goes to Camp <laughs> with, the, with the turkeys and the fire? <laughs> but yeah, it's still nostalgic for me. Okay. And I predicted that this movie would be classic. Unfortunately, uh, I'm oh, going to no. have to rate it a tragic. Because oh, wow. Oh, wow. This, this, I don't, maybe I was hoping too much because I cannot recommend this movie. Even if you have seen it, I would say don't waste your time. Watch, there's other movies you can be watching. Um, <laughs> enjoy your memories of it. Uh, <laughs> Maybe fast forward to the singing in the rain part, but leave it alone because for me, it did not hold up. So with the ratings of two nostalgics and a tragic, you're right, Mr. Tipton. Ernest Goes to Camp is just not classic material. (laughs) 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 We rate this a disputed nostalgic film. So if you've seen the movie, go ahead, take a gander. If you haven't seen it, make sure you stay clear. (laughs) Do yourself a service. Yeah. If they watch the movie, it would be part of the path of the brave, you know, by by watching this movie. I suppose the fact that you can't find it digitally online and you have to, like, actually buy the physical disc if you want to watch this might be enough to tip somebody to tragic and maybe you shouldn't watch it. True, true. I paid 10 bucks to watch it again. Yeah. yeah, and it's I made my by money back. Touchstone, which is owned by Disney, and they're. Uh, I'm surprised it's out on Blu-ray. Let's put it that way. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, what's not owned by Disney these days, Paul? Come on. Oh, that's true. Yes, I'm still waiting for a goofy movie to be on Blu-ray, but dude, for real. Now that they're in the 4K, let's go. Skip it. Let's go 4K. Anyway. <laughs> so does that make Ernest a Disney prince? Uh huh. Could be. Maybe you have to ask Vern anyway. (laughs) And the Indian lady, the Disney princess. No, she has her own offshoot. (laughs) Kikiki, the Kikiki princess. (laughs) There we go. Sure. Why not? I believe in you, artist. But there's just some things you can't do nothing about. And you, yes, you, the listener. Did you know the show is interactive? You can interact with us on the web. Yeah, vote on the movies we cover at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash vote. Buy t-shirts at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash store. Get bonus content and more by supporting these guys on Patreon at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash support. And contact them at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash contact. If you need to find out more about the show, you can always check out RetroRewindPodcast.com. Yeah. Just, make, just let me know. <laughs> Let's keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> and you can also talk to us on social media. We are what Retro We Rock. It's a tongue We twister. are Retro Rewind Pod on Facebook, Twitter, 
and Instagram. And you can sometimes watch us record these very podcasts. Not tonight, though, because Patch wouldn't put his shirt on. As well <laughs> as live streams of video games and pixel art. Yes. So thank you for keeping your shirt on, Jeremy. And I, <laughs> I am so grateful to our guests for taking time to discuss this movie with us. Jeremy, please tell us how people can find you online. I do some writing and stuff for Feel and Film with Patch, and you can find some of my stuff at feelandfilm.com on occasion. Currently, I've got a snarky Oscar prediction article up there that you can go read. Um, I'm active in their Facebook page, and I'm at Jay and Lincoln on Twitter. All right. Jay N? J, like the letter N? J-A-Y-I-N-L-I-N-C-O-L-N. All right. Thank you. And we're also grateful for Patch coming aboard with us. Yes, it's good to be back. And usually you can find me with my shirt on, toting around social media at Facebook and Twitter. I'm at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. Or you can find me talking about movies that I love and connect with on an emotional level at feelandfilm.com. Yeah, check them out there. And most of all, I appreciate you. Yes, you listening to us right now. So whether this is your first time listening to the show or you're part of the Rad Rewinder community, thanks for spending time with us. And we pray you're more joyful now than when you first hit play. It's listeners like you that leave us feedback that we are so grateful for and we appreciate. Like DJ Squirrel 481 he says, a new classic, five stars, fun, informative, and nostalgic. A must-listen if you like movies and games from the past. And I am Paul J. Powers. You can catch me at pauljpowers.com, where I have all my links to my social media. Come by and say hi. And finally, we are proud to be part of the Retro Junkies Network at theretrojunkies.com. <laughs> That sounds like something uh, that would be f- something from like a cocaine party or something. With those yeah, retro- you throw <laughs> 80s, co- 80s cocaine parties is what you guys do. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> well, not at theretrojunkies.com, but <laughs> maybe it depends on who you talk to there. <laughs> and <laughs> Christian Geek Central Network at christiangeekcentral.com. That's where we do it. <laughs> <laughs> You can catch us at either of those, but like a Pokemon, we got to catch you all on the next episode of the Retro Rewind podcast. Retro Rewind mission complete. Proceed to Nap Point Omega and return to base. No, no, wait, Alice. Don't go back to the base. Does anyone know how to turn off this pilot for the ending of the episode? Uh, but first, we need to check back with the engineering. Uh, Travis, do you have any coordinates for Francisco at all or anything? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, how long will it take before you are entirely sure? I'm not entirely sure. Okay, we can be here forever. Well, based on that, Dad, uh, where would you speculate he jumped to? 1985, around the movie Teen Wolf, maybe. Okay, good. Let's shoot for the movie Teen Wolf. But I don't have any silver bullets. Silver <laughs> bullets? Anyway, I will closely monitor the temporal readings when we jump and compare them to the TR2 when we appear. I can't wait to come back for Teen Wolf. Sounds great. Alice laying a course for the 1985 movie Teen Wolf. Rewind when ready. Jumping through time based on speculations can have undesired results. Is the crew getting closer to their captain or further away? Find out next time on the Retro Rewind Podcast. <laughs>